we've been really, really busy, obviously, since the last uh, game. You see that uh, today, a lot of travel and, and airplanes and cars and home visits and school visits and whatnot, but it's been great being able to get out on the road. Uh, but understand, for me personally, this is the first time in 16 seasons that I'm not getting ready for a bowl game. 16 seasons, and I love our players, and I'm a positive person, but that's not okay and never will be around here as well. Um, I'm not happy, and it's my job to uh, fix it, and we're going to get it right. Season didn't end the way we wanted, to say the least, but I am proud of a lot of the things that we did do as a program this season, but I'm also not going to – seek comfort one thing that we use that expression all the time with our players i'm not going to seek comfort and just tell myself well it was because of the injuries and the youth um, those things are real there's no question about it we had to play some guys this year earlier than expected and we're going to be so much better for it next season and beyond but it's my job as the head coach to be able to overcome those things and it's my job as the head coach to fix those things and, and that's what we are going to do I also realize that we're not far off from where we want to be. A year ago at this time, when I stood up here and we did this signing day press conference, we were ranked. Uh, we were getting ready to play in a great bowl game. There was a lot of excitement, and everyone was feeling good. And uh, we're not that far off from that either. That was one year ago as well. Uh, but it's my job to get us back to that feeling, but then a feeling beyond that and even more or even higher than that feeling last year. You know, I look around the country and you realize what a thin line it is from one year to the next between winning and losing. Guys and teams that maybe had a great season last year that aren't where they want to be this year. Teams that weren't where they wanted to be last season that are in a great position this year as well. Um, you know, the difference in that thin line to me is how you respond and, and how you adjust. And uh, we're going to respond and we're going to adjust. We do use the word love in this program a lot, and that's very real. And uh, won't shy and don't shy away from that, but don't mistake when we talk about the word love, that's also the love of hard work. And that's what we've been doing and will continue to do to get back to where we need to be. That is a love of competition. And we love to compete here, it's a core value. And if you saw our schedule last week, what an opportunity to compete next year in 2024 against the best in the country week in, week out. Uh, I know I'm a competitor. I know I'm excited about that 2024 schedule to go compete. It's the love of doing uncomfortable things to make us better. And that's what we're in the process of doing, you know, being able to take a step back and go through the season with the people in our program and then being able to take a step back over the last month and, and really focus on recruiting. You realize what quality people we have in this program, players, staff, coaches uh, that we already have here. And then we've added a lot of quality people to our program uh, today as well. Couldn't be more fired up about this class, 11 different states that are represented in this class. If you count the transfers, 11 different states always is going to start in the state of South Carolina here at home, being able to sign four of the top five players in the state of South Carolina and keep the best ones here at home. We signed the best receiver in the state of South Carolina and Basio Bennett, uh, three fantastic offensive tackles here as well. And then um, uh, Kelvin Hunter at the defensive back position, you know, for the top five players. We signed our highest rated player, I believe I'm correct in saying this, ever 
outside the state of South Carolina in Dylan Stewart. What a pickup that was as well. Nine guys that are ranked in the top 300 in the country. Uh, eight guys that are going to play in national all-star games. I, I remember before you'd watch an all-star game and you might have one guy that's coming to your school and playing in one of those games. We've got eight between the Under Armour game and the Army game. So wish those guys luck in those games as well. Uh, we got winners, six of them in our signing class, played in their state championship game, the high school seniors. Uh, so that's great. You know, it's a smaller class, but if you just look at the, the, the quality of the people in the class, it's an extremely highly ranked group, as it should be. It's a close group, and it's a low-maintenance group, which is what I love. These guys are connected. Uh, they're about the right stuff. They're about ball. You can go all the way back to when – Dylan Stort, for as heralded as he is and as, and as decorated as he is, his commitment was about as low maintenance as any commitment for a big-time prospect that I can remember. And that's just who those guys are. I'm on a group text with them. And, and last night, it wasn't about delaying signing day and causing a, or making a big splash. It was who can get our, letter, our, our papers in first tomorrow morning is what those guys were competing for. So Mazio Bennett was the winner. His came in right at 7 a.m. And then Dante and Cam Pringle were a close second and third as well. But, you know, the whole class was signed and in by, I think, 8.05. And that's only because Mason Love's an hour behind us. So he had a little bit of a later start out in Missouri getting his stuff in as well. So it's a really, really solid group, really, really – uh, good players, good people, families. I've been in their homes over the month of December. 11 guys that played multiple sports in high school. So just uh, um, really excited about the people that are coming into our program. And then we're not done either. Uh, we'll see what continues to shake over from a high school standpoint going forward. But obviously, uh, the portal's still open for a couple more weeks. And, and um, you know, we're not done there either. We've got some positions that we still need to uh, increase the depth and competition at and we're hard at work on that also you know we can take a little bit of a breath just because high school signing day is today and, and those guys signed but uh, we spent today after those guys got in at 805 the rest of the day was spent communicating with high school juniors and, and other guys in high school portal guys evaluating tape on portal guys whatever it might be so we're on a non-stop quest to, to make this team better and make this program better. And we took a big, big, big step today. Questions? Shane, just a couple of housekeeping things uh, to start. Um, Mo Caba, have you had a talk with him about what his plans are for next year in terms of playing or maybe doing something else? Yeah, everything I've been told, he's full speed ahead. Uh, I saw him in the training room pretty regularly, obviously rehabbing during the season, David, and, and he hasn't given me any reason to think otherwise. Um, he's full speed ahead and, and uh, would love that for Mo and for our team. And with Luke Doty, do you see him as full-time wide receiver? Will he maybe get a, a shot to to get QB1 or you guys progress with Lenoris? As, as I think we're going to continue to um, uh, continue down the track that we were on with Luke that we did this season. He's going to really focus on our, – our football team is a couple things. Luke has the respect of this team in a lot of ways. And um, uh, our team's better when Luke's on the field, no question about it. Luke wants to continue to primarily focus on playing wide receiver and special teams like he did this season, but also continuing to be involved in the quarterback room as well. Um, so continuing to do a little bit of both, but really focusing on that wide receiver aspect of it, which is what he did last season and continue to come along and be able to do some things on force on special teams like he did this season also, but not getting too far away from the quarterback position uh, either.
For for the folks who haven't watched Dylan Stewart play, what's your assessment of him as a player? What's he gonna bring to your team? Uh, you can't have enough of those body types. You know, he's just a he's he's put together already. You know, you got a lot of guys that come in and they need a year to develop in the weight room. And I'm not saying he's ready made, but body type wise, he's put together and, and looks the part already. He can rush the passer where there's no question we need to generate more pressure on quarterbacks next season. We got to be more disruptive uh, in opposing <clears throat> offenses back offensive uh, backfields. And he gives us the ability to do that. And he's very, uh, he's very mature and and focused, you know, great young man. We laugh. We were in his apartment or in his house last week, and and um, uh, it was me and Clayton and Sterling and Torian and and Dylan's mom and Dez's mom was there, and and he was he had the um, uh, Saul movie. I don't know what you call it, Saul saga, not trilogy. All the Saul movies, you know what I mean. So if you've seen Saul, you know what Saul is about, and. And it was pretty gory, but he was just sitting there eating his dinner, just matter of fact, just watching what was happening in the movie. And I'm like, you know what? That's the kind of guy that I want rushing the other team's passer and affecting other team's quarterbacks. Like, if he can be that focused on Saul, like Torian's over there in the floor with some of the guy, some of the things that were happening to people in the movie, and it didn't uh, phase Dylan at all, you know. So I say that he's he's made of the right stuff and and awesome. Awesome uh, player that can't wait to get him here and continue to you know add to that D line room. Shane, I know you've been all over the place the last <laughs> few weeks, but maybe in your exit interviews or when you did talk to, you have been around a couple of the guys. Did they have the same attitude as you that hey, this year wasn't okay. We should be in a bowl game, and we're going to work to make sure that we get back there. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we wanted to get right back to work. Um, we had to give them NCAA rules. We had to give them off the week after the last game. But then we got back in the weight room for two weeks. And, you know, our, those guys were in there the first day that they were allowed back in the weight room. We had the whole team in there, and they were right back to work. And it was good for me to, you know, have those exit interviews and sit down and be able to take a step back and, and look at every area in this program and how we can continue to be better and talk to them to see how we can continue to be better, realizing that we're not far off, and they know that. You know, you could look at, um, you know, the games that we lost. We were in every game and had an opportunity to win it. And you can say play here, play there, but it's very much very true for us. You know, seeing so really analyzing how we can get back on the other side of that thin line that I talk about and our players realize that as well they're very hungry and I think you've seen that with the guys that have announced they're coming back and, and are hungry to to um, to get back to work and uh, they've they've shown me nothing but that since the end of the season a beard huh yeah. Is it like a holiday thing I don't know Brooke wants it to enter the transfer portal so <laughs> you know, I don't know how long it's going to stay uh, you mentioned some of the players hungry coming back and I think with this fan base and naturally with college football, you know, transfer portal's still new, right? They're excited about that, excited about high school recruiting. But one thing that kind of gets lost in the mix of everything is player retention. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not one of those things fans are going to probably necessarily celebrate, but how important is that? And what would you tell this fan base, especially with the efforts that have been going on right now with NIL and how that's probably played a positive effort in terms yeah. of being able to continue to retain players year after year. Yeah, it's been huge. Um, you know, kudos to um, our fan base, kudos to our administration, kudos to the Garnet Trust. 
for all they've done, you know, to be able to help uh, help our guys in so many ways as well. But that's where it starts, you know. Recruiting class obviously is great, but you got to be able to keep your roster intact. And and the teams, I think it's proven, the teams that are able to keep their roster intact year to year have an advantage going into the next season just because it's not starting over in so many ways. So it's been huge for us. That's not something, Mike, that we just – the end of the regular season happens and then it's automatically we just start – uh, trying to keep our roster intact. I mean, to me, that's something that you're doing 365 days a year. Uh, this pe- this program is about relationships and honesty and trust and having conversations with guys and building relationships throughout the season. And guys have expressed to us that they want to be here. And, um, and I appreciate that. And a lot of guys, you know, guys like Boogie and Tonka that I didn't recruit. TJ, you know, was was committed to the previous staff when I got hired. Those guys have all stayed and, and uh, you know, being able to keep keep that group intact and then being able to add great players to it and then being able to attract talented transfers that we've been able to bring in as well. Uh, it's a great, you know, combination of things and, and something that we're excited about. And you realize that's part of it. You know, Steve was just in my office and I think I saw it on the screen that it's like, was it how many, 1,800, 1,400, something crazy number of guys that are in the portal, just FBS schools. I mean, it's, I didn't realize it was that many. I mean, it's just so many people in the portal. So you realize that, you're going to lose some for different reasons, no matter what. Some that are expected, some that are surprises. Uh, I hope we don't, but we may lose some more. You know, I hope we don't. But you you never, you know, you, you realize it's just part of it. But you've got to keep your crew core group intact and then being able to, you know, we're an attractive place to a lot of people. People want to be a part of this program. That's evident today. And uh, that, that will continue to be evident going forward as well between now and when the portal closes here in a couple of weeks. You mentioned those three in-state tackles. Kind of how did that trio come together and how much did that momentum build, you know, once you got the first one and the second one and now all three of them over the finish line here? Yeah, a lot. Um, You know, when I got hired three years ago this month, those three guys got put on my radar pretty quickly that there's a, you know, big-time offensive tackle in Greenville. There's a big-time offensive tackle in Dillon and there's a big-time offensive tackle down in in, uh, Woodland High School. And, you know, you immediately just start developing relationships and trying to get those guys on your campus. And you couldn't initially because it was a dead period when I got hired because of COVID. So got hired and I think it was six months later or seven months later before guys could visit campus. But once they got on campus, they just fell in love with this place and we fell in love with them and just continued to strengthen those relationships. And they're great players. So when you have great players, not just the three offensive tackles, but a lot of guys in our class, there's a lot of schools that were trying to get them to not come to South Carolina up until today. And uh, all those guys stayed strong. And, and a big part of that was this class and how close they are and how connected they became, which is really, really cool. Um, they've, they've, you, you didn't see a lot of uh, ups and downs and a guy decommitting and committing again and things like that. I mean, these guys – committed and and stayed that way and got tight and we're at a bunch of our home games and it's as close a signing class coming in of guys that that I can remember you know they're very they're very uh focused and there's been a lot of talk about you know Dante Reno and and rightfully so I mean he's been done a great job of he's like our best recruiter and even yesterday just talked to him on the way home make sure you call this guy make sure you do this make sure you do that and and I didn't have to tell them a lot of things. They, they they did it themselves and probably knew more about the recruiting class than I did. I think after the season, you mentioned that your portal philosophy or whatever was going to be try and keep a lot of the coaches you know, here as much as possible to mobilize when guy does enter a portal. 
how much did that play a factor in, in your guys' portal hall, and is kind of that the, the new normal? <clears throat> yeah, I thought it was great for us. You know, every year is different, but this year for us it was – I thought it, you know, worked great. We we were here in office after the last game and kind of recapping or reviewing the season and, and meeting with individual players for sure. And then once the contact period opened and the portal opened, we were here for the most part. I mean, every every – uh, morning and midday, early afternoon, I was in Columbia around our own team and um, in the office and able to evaluate guys when they went in the portal. So if somebody went in the portal, we weren't four different locations across the country. We were all right here. We could watch it. We could decide if this is a guy we wanted to go on, and we did. And then every day around you know, 2, 3, 4 o'clock, I would get in a car and drive, just go see a recruit or get, in a, get on a plane and go see a recruit. Uh, and be be able to go into their house that night and then fly back and do the same thing, get back late and do the same thing again the next day. But it really did work for us, I thought, as far as being here in-house around our current team, able to uh, evaluate guys when they decided to transfer from different places, but then also being able to get out and see every single one of these guys that that signed, I was able to get out and and go see uh, either in their house or – you know, at a restaurant for lunch or watch them play in their state championship game like uh, Fred J.R. Johnson I did up in Charlottesville and whatnot, and that was really good for us. Coach, I got two for you. First one, how do you go about um, balancing a roster between, you know, high school recruits and transfer portal guys, and what does that kind of look like, and are there certain positions you're going to attack in the portal rather than high school recruiting? And then two, if you could give me one guy that's the most college-ready in this class, who would it be? As far as balancing it, I think it's on a case-by-case basis. I really do. You know, we're always going to start with high school recruiting. If we could sign, you know, 20 ready-made guys or 20, 25, 20 to 25 ready-made high school guys a year, we would. That's not just – that's probably not realistic. A lot of it is looking at it and saying, okay, these guys are graduating off your current team or these guys are likely to go to the NFL. We're going to be really, really young at this position next year. So we need to go attack the portal. Running backs, case of that, you know, with DJ Braswell was in our program and Juju finished the season as those two were really the only two scholarship running backs initially and and saying we need to get some experience in that room. Um, and then so it's, it's just, just trying to project and then there's so many unexpected things. A guy goes to the NFL before you think he is or a guy decides to transfer that maybe you weren't planning on transferring and now you've got to, I don't want to say scramble, but you've got to readjust and you realize that it's not going to be from a – in high school recruiting, you're going to have to look to the portal for that. Um, and for me, it's always uh, you just look at your roster. I think I've talked about it in here. I mean, we have two boards in our staff room. One is your current roster, three boards, really. One is your current roster. One's the guys that you're recruiting and then what you expect your roster to look like a year out as well. So for us, it was for, since spring practice, we've had a board up in our room of what we expect the 2024 roster to look like. And then you're doing, you're making a lot of those decisions based on that. Ready made, I, honestly, I mean, I think we got to, I don't want to dodge the question, but I really feel like we got a lot of ready made guys because of the kind of people they are. They're about the right stuff and it's not a lot of fluff and they just, they like to work. And um, I'm excited. That's, we're going to find out pretty quickly because literally of every, this I think it's more than we've ever had with this year's class. Every single transfer that's coming in and every single high school guy that we signed today, all but four are going to be here for spring practice, which is 
awesome. You know, I mean, a lot of those years you might have a handful of guys come mid-year. We're basically going to have the whole team here for the spring. Whereas last year, for example, I think Tree and Nick Harbor and a lot of those guys, they didn't show up until June. Pretty much our whole team is going to be here for spring practice, which is awesome. So we'll find out pretty quickly um, who's the most ready-made. But we're going to try and get them all ready to play uh, right now. There's not one guy that we've looked at and said, okay, he's probably a year or two away. Let's get them all ready to play and see if they can. Hey, Shane, just wanted to touch on Dante real quick since you mentioned it before. You know, he was the first guy to be a part of this recruiting class, kind of the poster boy to kind of get it all started. Yeah. What can you say that you've learned about him over the years that you've gotten to know him as a person and a player? And then, you know, with you know, him being so involved in recruiting, how can those leadership qualities of being like the forefront guy in recruiting kind of help him uh, when he gets to Carolina next year? Yeah, I can't say enough um, good things about him. He's, he's just um, – he works his butt off as a – recruiter whenever his playing days are over whenever that is I'm definitely gonna try and hire him because he'll make our program better as a player and uh when he's done playing as well coach's kid you know obviously is his dad Tony's the head coach at Yale and has done an awesome job congrats to them on an awesome season so he's grown up around the game and um love having coaches kids on the team because there's not much that they haven't seen so he's battle tested even though he hasn't played at the college level yet probably the thing i've learned one i knew obviously blown away constantly at what a great recruiter he is i mean he works his butt off and and almost to the point where you gotta be like hey slow down on that guy a little bit like you know we're maybe he's maybe not interested or maybe we're not really sure about him but he was full speed on everybody Probably the thing I've learned, it's no surprise, but just his work ethic. You know, you knew it was big but or, or, or strong, but the more and more you're around him, you just – he's constantly working. And um, whether it's throwing or running or lifting or, or whatever it might be, just a, a guy that's about the right stuff, great person, awesome family, mom, dad, brother, sister, and really have enjoyed getting to know them over the last couple of years and, and couldn't be more excited that they're Gamecocks now. Coach, you brought in multiple uh, transfer portal running backs in this cycle, and obviously the most notable name for fans is Raheem Rocket Sanders, and you coached against him a couple years ago when you all went to Arkansas. What do you remember about that game, and just sort of how quickly did things move along once Rocket Sanders entered the portal? Um, what do I remember about that game? It wasn't a fun day. Um, I um, remember we had a costly turnover. Uh, when we were just about to get back in the game, but we won't rehash the game. As far as Rocket specifically, just what a weapon he is. Um, big, talented, physical guy. You knew that. I mean, obviously, as a SEC head coach and as a fan of college football, you, you knew who Rocket Sanders was uh, even before we played that game and then watching what he did. But then <clears throat> when he went in the portal, you know, I just wanted to go back and I didn't really study him much after we played that game last season. So just going back and watching all of his tape from 2022 and then the, the, the little bit that he played this season, you realize just how talented he is for a big guy like that to be, you know, to have a burst, to have such quick feet, to be able to break tackles, but also make you miss, catch the ball well out of the backfield. Um, he's a really, really uh, talented guy. That's uh, evident. And when he went in the portal, it went, you know, fairly, um, uh, fairly 
quick, I would say. I mean, obviously there was a natural connection with, you know, Dow Loggins and from being at Arkansas, but also Jamil Walker, who was the strength coach at Arkansas and is now our associate strength coach here, uh, that he and I were together at Georgia. So we hired Jamil after the season, last season, and he had a really strong connection with Rockets. So we had a lot of connections, but also there's a lot of schools that were – after him, rightfully so. And he's from the state of Florida, so you had Florida schools that were after him. And when he was here on his visit, a lot of schools that were reaching out to him and wanting him to take a visit and things like that. But um, I knew he had a great time here when he came on his visit. He um, he was awesome, just an awesome young man. I didn't know him at all, obviously. And Dow had told me a little bit about him, but just a great person, um, really, really awesome to my son and some of the other coaches kids that were around that weekend so fired up about that and and then um you know you you hoped it would get wrapped up sooner than later but you didn't know but I was in a home visit on uh in Washington DC uh last week I guess or whenever Rocket committed two weeks ago last week I can't remember the whole month of December's ran together I'm sorry but I was in a home visit my phone rang and it was Taylor Edwards and he uh, texted him back we're in a home visit I can't talk and he's like you need to take this call and uh I'm like why and then he sent me a screenshot and they were FaceTiming Rocket and I'm like well let me step outside for a second so stepped outside in Washington DC and and uh FaceTimed him back. Of course, he didn't answer. FaceTimed him again. Of course, he didn't answer. And I'm like, oh, crap. But then we were driving to the airport, and that's when he reached out and said that he was uh, wanted to be a Gamecock. And that was a pretty pretty uh, special moment in D.C. after a long day of being in uh, the northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland area. Uh, you mentioned Mazio earlier. What What is he going to add? What, what are you going to get from uh, DeBron and uh, Jared Brown, I guess? Yeah. Um, Certainly we needed to, and still do, continue to upgrade that receiver room without a doubt, the depth in there. Also, we got some good young players that are currently on our team that need to take another step. But, you know, Mazio is a guy to be able to get two players out of the Greenville High program and the fantastic job that Coach Porter does up there. Uh, Mazio is awesome. Another one that uh, initially was committed to another school and decided to come back to us, which we're thankful that he did. But awesome family and – and saw his tape, obviously, and, and think a lot of him as a player. But then just watching him in camp last summer, Greenville was here for the 7-on-7 uh, seven -seven camp that we had, and just seeing him out there on the field and the competitive spirit that he has. It's almost like, I don't want to say he becomes a different person, but there's like a different level that he reaches um, or gets to when competition starts. So I'm excited about adding that to our program, without a doubt. And then uh, same thing with DeBron Gatlin, also somebody that in the springtime we liked, watched on tape, and then he committed to, to A&M and uh, then opened things back up and got him over here on a visit and really enjoyed getting to know him. So those are two guys that um, uh, DeBron just won a state championship and, and uh, Mazio's team had a really good year as well. So two winners that are coming into our program that are coming into a position that we need them you know, to be ready right now. We'll get them here for spring practice and, and have a chance to to, uh, to get going with them. Uh, based on who, who you signed and what you all have in, in the portal, what's next for you guys in, in terms of what you're looking for, in terms of need, what's priority, priority one and two? Yeah. Um, I think you're always looking, can you better 
your team at every single position. That's my job as the head coach to constantly increase the competition, the depth and the talent level at every single position. But I don't think you, you never say, so you never say never to anything, but you know, as I look at it, you, you feel, if you look at your ideal numbers of where you want to be at each position from a ideal target number on at scholarship, we're at the number or over the number at running back. We're at the number or over the number at tight end, and we're at the number or over the number at linebacker. So to answer your question, probably every position except those three positions. And if there was someone that you just said, you know what, this is a guy that we can't turn him down, we would look to that. But certainly receiver, we need more depth there. Uh, we want to rotate multiple guys a game. So we need, to, like I said, the guys in our program to continue to come along. And that's a position that we wouldn't turn, turn away a, a great one that was out there. Right now, if Luke's going to be working as a quarter or as a receiver primarily, but still also dabbling in at quarterback. But if you say that Luke's focusing on receiver in a lot of ways, you go into spring practice with two scholarship quarterbacks, Lenoris and Dante. We need to get some depth in that room and some competition in that room. And Lenoris knows that, and Dante knows that without a doubt. Uh, offensive line, we're we're in a really good position, but as we saw this year, you guys saw this year, you can never have enough there as well. And then, um, and then in the secondary, lose Marcellus Dial, and we got some good a core group of guys returning. But just from a depth standpoint, we'd like to get a more, you know, some more bodies in that room because that's where a lot of your special teams players come from, also. Shane, a couple about the schedule. What was your reaction? to it when you saw it, especially that October stretch looks pretty daunting. And then um, two, two open weeks this year. I'm guessing you're a fan of that. Uh, it, would you like to see maybe the NCAA or whoever is governing this sport kind of codify that and not leave it to the calendar to say, okay, we're off one week, one year, and yeah. two weeks, another? <laughs> um. <clears throat> Initial reaction was probably like a lot of guys, like, wow, you know, uh, what an opportunity. Uh, it is tough. I, I laugh at the people that are like, well, what a, what a tough schedule. And I'm like, you're in the SEC. Like, exactly what combination of SEC football schedule would not be tough uh, when you look at it? Like, who exactly will we slide in their place to make it less tough? I mean, that's just if you don't want to – play against the best teams week in, week out, you should not be playing and coaching in this conference because if you play in the SEC, that's what it's going to be year in, year out. And we got some awesome – probably my initial reaction was what's what cool road games, you know, our fans are going to get to be able to experience. Uh, I know they love going to Lexington. I know they love going to Nashville. But now they get to go to Tuscaloosa and, and Norman. I've already had, you know, people reach out to me about we've – we're definitely going to Oklahoma. What do we need to do when we go to Norman and Oklahoma City and all that? So those will be two great trips. Being able to get two teams coming into town in LSU and Ole Miss that don't typically uh, come here as well, which the opponents were out. But probably just that, you know, tough opener with Old Dominion, you know, who played in a bowl game a couple days ago. And then you jump right back into SEC play. Uh, probably like a lot of coaches, you look at the whole schedule, but you got so many other things on your mind right now. But realizing that that – you're jumping right into it on the road week two um, up in uh, up in Lexington and then come back and I think LSU's the week three, come right back for SEC home opener. So September's tough, October's tough, November's tough, 
But as a competitor, um, you love that. Two off weeks, uh, I like it. It's been a while. I think early in my career, I think I had that somewhere, maybe here, uh, where we had two off weeks. Um, I like it personally just from a, um, being able to have a little break in there as well. From a recruiting standpoint, that's two extra or an extra week where you can go out on the road recruiting. So typically for us, if it's an off week, we go out recruiting two days a week. Two days of that week, well, now you're able to go out now four times potentially, which is awesome at least. And uh, I know from talking to a couple of our players, uh, I was at dinner um, Sunday or Saturday night, Sunday night with a recruit and Boogie was there. And he and I were talking about it, and he said he was a fan. Obviously, from a physical standpoint, I think our players like it. So it'll be something that we'll have to manage and make sure we have a good plan to uh, maximize it from their from a mental standpoint and physical standpoint. But I, I do like it. And, yes, um, probably to continue, I'm all for it. You know, I think the season's going to get longer already, particularly with the 12-team playoff, or not particularly because of the 12-team playoff. The season's going to be longer. So, yes, it makes it longer if you have two off weeks. But if you're a team that, you know, what's the max number of games you can play? Is it 16, 17? If you play in a conference championship game and then play in the first round, I think it would be 16 games. Um, if you're a team that has a off week and – week three and then you make it to the national championship that's 13 straight weeks of playing and that's tough on on um on your bodies i mean i laugh at not laugh but was talking to an nfl general manager yesterday and their seasons are so long the fact that they got three regular season games left in the nfl and then the playoffs it's like gosh uh so when you're talking about college kids and balancing academics i like it um i'll ask you about a few more players yeah um I've mean, talked about enough of them. So yeah, far away. I, I guess not anyone else besides me wants to ask about him either. So, uh, <laughs> Jalua Solomon, what 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 can he add to the program? So much. Um, he is what's the word built different. You know, a lot of guys when you're recruiting them, hail they talk about what their goals are and what they're going to accomplish as a player in your program, and you believe all of them, but when he says it you know it's going to happen. I mean, he's just uh, – he's extremely talented and he's just very, very driven and about the right stuff um, and just extremely focused on being great and just a mature kid in a lot of ways. And, you know, he – we had the incident, whatever you want to call it, this summer where, you know, initially it looked like he might be going somewhere else. And he – I remember him sending me a text message at like 2 o'clock in the morning after that and it just said, please don't stop recruiting me. And I wasn't really sure what that meant, but we didn't. And uh, thankfully, it worked out in the end the way that I think it was supposed to work out. So really excited about having him here. And he's a guy that you could put him anywhere, offense, defense, special teams, and I think he's going to thrive. He'll start out as a corner for us. Uh, that's where we see him. And, and we're excited to, excited to get to work with him and, um, and, and really could be a difference maker for us, I believe. With that linebacker position, what what did you see out of out of those two guys, Fred and and um, Wendell? And Wendell, yep. and, and also with, with Wendell, do y'all see him more of an edge, or how, how do you see him fitting in positionally? Yeah, first of all, both those guys are winners. Uh, Fred, Fred slash Jr. kind of goes by both, but I'll call him Jr. Won the state championship, unbelievable high school team. Uh, up there, so we were at his state championship game in Charlottesville. We had official visitors in that day, and 
we went to lunch and flew up to Charlottesville, watched the state championship game, and then flew back for dessert that night with the recruits that were on campus, uh, the transfers that were on campus, and just really impressed watching him. We had we had JR in camp and didn't have a ton of offers at that point, but we were just really impressed with the body type, the athleticism, awesome mom and dad. And we offered and we were able to hang on to him as well. But he's a winner, won a state championship. Wendell comes from a great program, same program as as uh, Case and Henry, you know, who's on our team right now as well. So um, they played for the state championship and had a fantastic season. So two winners, two awesome guys will help on special teams. I think both of them, you know, Jr. played some receiver and Wendell could pretty much play anywhere you needed him to as well. We see both those guys as, I would say, inside guys in the sense that they're going to start in Clayton's meeting room. But you guys saw what we did on defense this year as the year went on. I think they fit that bill a lot as well. A lot of things that we did with Jaron Willis and Bam, just moving guys around. And they have pa- they have pass rush value. They're not your typical – you hear coaches talk all the time about, well, he's strictly a in-the-box linebacker. They're not. They can play in space and, and they can play uh, in the box because they're tough, they're physical, and, and they're athletic. Uh, coaching staff, uh, will it be status quo moving forward, or do you foresee anything happening there? Uh, those are things that we're continuing to look at and evaluate. I've had some conversations with some people already, and, and our focus this month has been um, recruiting Phil, and and that's what it is right now. But, you know, as I said at the beginning, it's my job as the head coach to always look at everything that we're doing from top to bottom, starting with me. And and if there's ways to be better, certainly uh, being willing to, to make those decisions. So um, we're still those are all things that we're still going through. Two things. First, um, you mentioned how much um, not playing in a bowl game hurts you. <laughs> Did it help at all to have – plenty of extra time to go out and recruit the portal in high school <laughs> it did I never ever ever want to do it again uh, without a doubt and I'll find a way to manage next year uh, back in a bowl game but you know certainly you try and take a negative which not going to a bowl game and is a negative no question about it but you try and turn every any every adversity in life into a positive every negative into a positive and and that was one for us that we were able to really focus on our current roster and focus on high school recruiting, portal recruiting as well. So we were able to get to a lot of places uh, and for visits that we maybe weren't, uh, wouldn't have been able to and, uh, um, on the other, if the other was taking place. Uh, second thing, was there, I mean, you obviously lost two running backs this offseason. Was there a concerted effort to go out in the portal and get three guys or were you just so impressed with the three guys that you kind of felt like you'd make it work a little bit of both we needed we wanted to sign multiple um you know we we um obviously knew dk was moving on another one was a little bit of a surprise uh juju finished the season injured and then braswell was a true freshman so we knew we needed to increase the depth in that room but we had four that were on campus on official visits and I think all four of them were great players and great young men and I definitely knew we needed to sign two but it really got to be a situation um where where you said you really don't want to turn any of these guys away if that makes sense so like with Jawarn from coming from South Carolina State had a fantastic freshman season 
in a lot of ways, I see him as a true freshman because he's got multiple years left to be able to play as opposed to just uh, one and done because he's been playing other places. He's still a young guy, so that one's almost kind of like a a um, um, signing a high school guy in a lot of ways. They just had an extremely productive year down in Orangeburg for Coach Pugh down there, which we're really fired up about as well. And then being able to add Matthew Fuller, who not enough people are talking about, from at running back also from down in Georgia. You know, he had an awesome uh, senior season, played for Jay Boshaw, Connor's brother, and uh, really did some good things. And I felt like his – we liked him a lot as a junior, but uh, we felt like his senior tape was even more impressive than what his junior tape was. And, and uh, he's about the right stuff as well. Wanted to ask you about Gerald Kilgore. What did you like about him when you first learned of him and, you know, what you saw on film from him? And then obviously, you know, he's Jalen's brother. So how involved was he in uh, helping land uh, Gerald? Um, uh, with Gerald, you go back to when we started recruiting Jalen, you just kind of got to know Gerald through the process. And with Mr. and Ms. Kilgore and what they're about as parents – you knew that what you had in Jalen, who had an unbelievable freshman year, and congrats to him on all the honors he's gotten postseason, so well-deserved. But you knew what you had in Jalen, you would also be getting in Gerald uh, from getting to know them during the recruiting process. And I remember being in their home last year, the day before the SEC championship game between LSU and, and Georgia, being in their home and just visiting with the family. And they're about the right stuff and, and all business. And and Mr. Kilgore, the way that he works those guys as well. Uh, and then Gerald was a guy that primarily was a quarterback, was a quarterback, and then really just started playing defensive back recently. So you didn't have a lot of tape to go on, but you saw a skill set uh, with him at defensive back. You saw size, you saw athleticism, you saw a willingness to tackle, you saw ball skills that you would expect, you know, obviously from playing quarterback. And um, that was easy for us once he decided to go in the portal. Jalen was involved. You know, he wanted Gerald to make a decision, but um, but he was involved when Gerald was here on his official visit. Jalen obviously was at dinner and was uh, was was uh, pumping up our program when Gerald called to tell me that he had decided to become a Gamecock. You know, Jalen was right there next to him and got on the phone and was like, I told you we were going to bring him home and get him here and all that as well. But that's one – I'm glad you asked because that's very um, – for me, humbling as a head coach that their parents felt comfortable sending Gerald here into this program. That, uh, yes, Jalen enjoys being here, but mom and dad, uh, and I tell all the moms and dads and guardians of everyone that, that were recruited, I mean, I don't, I don't take the responsibility that they've entrusted on the staff and I lightly of taking care of their sons. And that Mr. and Ms. Kilgore felt – uh, confident enough in me as the head coach and us as a program to not just have one son here, but to send a second son here is uh, really, really uh, cool and very you know humbling for me in a lot of ways also. So awesome family and both those guys make us better. Shane, as you know, I mean, you had players in the running back room, wide receiver room, wherever you feel like you need to continue to add depth and competition. But naturally, with the quarterback position, people are going to look at that a little differently, right? So I say that because how do you continue to preach that message of competition, which mm -hmm. I know is a core value of the program, but at the same time, too, <clears throat> knowing, you know, you're trying to make sure that 
guys don't leave and you're afraid, you know, I wouldn't say afraid, but you know that's obviously just a part of this new era of college football. How do you have those conversations? I try and be real and honest with everybody, Mike, and there have been a lot of quarterbacks across the country that have gone in the portal that would have – that have – and had an interest in South Carolina because of what Spencer did. They look around and say, well, here's a quarterback that just came from Oklahoma, and look at what he did in 2022 and 2023. I'm obviously going to be interested in South Carolina. And just to be completely and totally honest, a lot of those quarterbacks called and said, will you guarantee me the starting quarterback job? And I said, absolutely not. I will guarantee you the opportunity to come in here and compete we talk about competition in this building at all times, and it's on the walls in this building. And if I tell – I've never told a player I'm guaranteeing you a starting job and never will And because the minute I do, then I'm a complete freaking fraud uh, as a head coach uh, in that. So we guarantee them the opportunity to come in and compete. And, frankly, a lot of guys said, okay, thanks. I'm going to go somewhere else because they are telling me that I'm going to be the starting quarterback, and I hope it works out for them. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But we believe in um, – Competition, and um, I tell guys all the time, I'm always going to do what's best for the South Carolina football program. So whether you're black, white, uh, scholarship, walk-on, senior, freshman, whoever gives us the best opportunity to win football games is the people or the guys that we're going to put out on the field. So we've probably had some – not probably, we have had some quarterbacks that really good that I could have lied to them and then got them here and whatnot, but I'm not going to do that either. So what we're looking for is somebody that wants to come in and compete uh, to be the starting quarterback. And we've got a lot of confidence in Lenore Sellers. We've got a lot of confidence in Dante Reno. We need to bring some other people in here to compete with them, but that's just kind of where we are, you know, from that standpoint. Does that answer your question? That's your, okay. Yep. Uh, Michael Smith, what's he yep. got for you guys? Michael Smith. So I'm glad you asked. So we got two guys from Savannah that we're really excited about. So I'm going to give you a bonus answer as well by also talking about David Busey because they're both from Savannah. Um, both of those guys, I just got asked on a, a national show, I think it was, it was with Rivals, where they asked me, you know, two guys that not enough people are talking, or one guy that not enough people are talking about, and I said both these guys. And there's a lot of guys that, that you could say that about, but those two players, David Busey and Michael Smith, both from Savannah, rival high schools. David played for the state championship. Michael was a game away. Both those guys are great players that I think could honestly play on both, side of the, both sides of the ball if they wanted to. Now, Michael's going to start out as a tight end. He's another one that we were in his home a week or two ago, and – we have multiple SEC schools that were constantly calling, trying to get into the house and 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 come see him, and they wouldn't let him. And um, he could play, I think, defensive end and rush the passer, but he's a really, really talented tight end, just a big body with athleticism that will continue to grow. David's a guy that uh, we're going to start out as at, at safety. Uh, David's dad played at Syracuse, um, so he was a college football player awesome uh, guy that's about work and about the right stuff uh, down there from Savannah Christian. And he's a guy also had him in our seven on seven camp. So I talked about Mazio and seeing him compete. Same thing with David, having a chance to watch him just compete. He's a guy that we, uh, we, we offered late because it was in June when we offered him this earlier this year. But the more we watched his tape and spring practice video and things like that, he's just a guy that, is a competitor and is just always was always around the ball and has got really good athleticism and ball skills. Like I said, we're going to start out as a safety, but had a really good 
uh, senior season at wide receiver also. Two, two quick ones. Yep. Um, did you have any guys after the season who needed any kind of surgery just to clean things up or anything like that who may miss some time? We did. Um, not trying to dodge the question. I'm trying to think right now. Um, who all has? Uh, Sydney Fugar had a little procedure done. Chase Swigert had a minor procedure done yesterday. Uh, David Spalding had a minor procedure done. I think that's it. None of them are long term that we expect to hold them. That we we expect to keep them out of spring practice. Just some things to to get cleaned up as well. I'll try and get you a better update whenever we meet again. But those are the ones that um, jump off the top of my head. And and also with with Mitch leaving, this program's obviously had a pretty solid kicker for for a while. How yeah. how do you address that going forward? Do you do you look at at other people? Can Mason Love? Uh, be in that mix as well. We immediately put Alex Herrera on scholarship. Uh, so you guys remember that we're here in 2022 after Parker left, that that was a competition that immediate, that literally went to like the week of the first game when we opened up with Georgia State. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and that was a competition that went through the spring, went through the summer, went through preseason camp that uh, Pete and I literally decided – the week of the Georgia State game that we were going to go with Mitch, but it was that close. And um, Mitch did a great job and took it and ran. But when he decided to to move on, and, and he can address that, but when he decided to move on, that was a pretty easy decision. You know, I think Alex was going to possibly go somewhere to be the starting kicker, and I didn't want to let a good kicker walk out the door. Um, and I told him, we're going to put you on scholarship, but nobody's anointing you, just like Mike's question. You're going to have to compete to be the kicker, but uh, that was an easy decision for us. So we feel good about Alex continuing to progress. And then with Mason coming in, throwing him in the mix also. But yeah, we've been pretty fortunate with with uh, with guys, but it's another great benefit of Pete being just a special teams coach and not coaching another position. He got, went around the country and watched a lot of kickers kick live or punt live, whether it be at our own camp or uh, going to their schools and being able to watch them kick in person. And um, I, uh, we feel good, you know, about that position, certainly being able to return Hunter and Kai as snapper, holder, and punter, and then having a guy that's been in our program and, and has experience also, uh, we're, we're very pleased about. No, so can I? Because I don't want anybody to feel short-sighted. So Brady Hunt, uh, tight end. We first saw him two years, or last season, getting ready to play Tennessee in 2022. They had played Ball State earlier in the year, and we saw Ball State on video, and we were watching Tennessee's defense, and we were like, who in the heck is this Ball State tight end? And um, he, <clears throat> we didn't know it at the time, but a year, two, almost two years later, he decided to go in the portal. Uh, Pete had a connection to the family, obviously from Pete's time at Ball State, but he's a guy, he was a high school quarterback, a basketball player that kind of grew into tight end. You see that athleticism um, on tape as well. So he's a guy losing Trey Knox. We like that receiver room, but we're young. Josh Simon returns, and then we're young with Connor and Nick Elksness and uh, Reed McKeska. So being able to get some experience in there, uh, very pleased about him. Talked about Gerald, talked about Rocket, Kyle Kennard, a pass rusher. Uh, you can't have enough of those. So going back to what uh, was either John or Hill asked about Dylan Stort, 
um, another one that's been productive at the at the ACC level. That <coughs> excuse me, a lot of these transfers. Obviously, they had a lot of people that were after them. And with Kyle, for example, another school that wanted him to you know get on a come to a visit as soon as he left here and. He didn't want to go on that visit. He wanted to be a Gamecock, and we were able to make it work. Uh, has size, has athleticism, and can can rush the passer. DeAndre Jules, I told Tonka and Boogie and TJ after the season that I was going to make sure I got them help in there. We obviously have Jamal Weiss and Nick Barrett, but being able to continue to increase the depth in that room so those three guys don't have to play every play of every game. And uh, DeAndre's – uh, awesome. You know, he's a big body defensive tackle that has twitch and athleticism, really productive tape, uh, watching him. Another one that, you know, had other schools that were, he went on visits to and was about to fly from our place somewhere else and wanted this to be the place uh, that he ended up and, and glad that, glad uh, that it did. Jawarn Howe, we talked about him briefly uh had a really really fantastic highly decorated season down at South Carolina State and and extremely grateful and and humbled for the opportunity but a big back I mean I'm not saying he's Derrick Henry but you watch him and he's built like Derrick Henry the old Alabama running back and as well just running style and size and he has a play they played Georgia Tech earlier this season and he takes a run down the left sideline you know and outruns the Georgia Tech defense for uh for a touchdown. I don't think Kyle Kennard was out there on the field on that play. I'm praying that he wasn't now that I remember that play, but I don't believe he was. And then Jared Brown, uh, like I talked about, the receiver room is a room that we had to attack between high school recruiting and, and portal recruiting. And Jared's a guy that had a did some really productive things, caught a lot of balls for Coastal this season, talking to the coaches uh, at Coastal, couldn't say enough good things about him uh, as a person. And um, Glad that he is, is a Gamecock as well. Uh, Oscar Attaway is uh, from North Texas, from Little Rock originally, you know, has a great story and, and ended up, you know, transferred high schools and probably was a little under-recruited, did a, a lot of really good things at, at North Texas and just a, a very uh, professional, serious-minded guy that, you know, like all these guys, they're going to make our locker room better as well from the leadership standpoint, work ethic standpoint. I think he's a physical downhill runner um, that has a chance to, to help us. And, and, and as we saw this season, like I talked about earlier, you can't have enough running backs. You better have depth in that room without a doubt. Talked about Josiah, talked about Dylan, talked about Dante, Cam, Mason, Fred, slash JR. Kelvin Hunter is one. I don't think we touched on him enough. I know I mentioned him earlier, but Kelvin is somebody that we had in camp, I guess back-to-back -back summers, and every time he came to camp every summer, he got faster and he got better. Uh, from year to year and when you watch his tape he's just all over the field now he's going to be a defensive back for us but you watch his tape he's he's rushing off the edge and he's sacking the quarterback he's blocking punts he literally does it all um, so I think his best football is still in front of him talked about Wendell talked about DeBron talked about Blake David and Mazio so I think I hit on all those and that's the other thing too you're you're you are constantly trying to bring the right people into the program. And people talk about culture all the time, and it is very real. You don't want to bring a, a guy that's going to um, not help the locker room and not continue to build and grow uh, what we've got here. So we've spent a lot of time 
uh, going back to Jordan's question, when guys go in the portal, it's not just watching tape, but then it's also getting on the phone with coaches from other schools and finding out about this guy, talking to the high school coaches, maybe talking to a teammate of his that we maybe know that is no longer playing at the school or or calling the coach directly. There's guys that are on this list that are coming from other colleges where I called the head coach. And there's a Big Ten head coach that called me today about one of our players as well. That's just, you know, part of it. Other SEC coaches that called me about one of our players last week. So, you know, so that stuff takes place and we're not has we're not afraid to to make those phone calls just to make sure we can watch the tape and see what kind of player they are, but we also spend a lot of time uh, diving into, one, why they're transferring, and then, two, what kind of person they are, and are they a fit for what we're, what we're about. And I'm very confident in saying that we've brought some um, really, really, really uh, good people and good players into our program. And I lied. I talked about Matthew Fuller, talked about Michael Smith, talked about Jalewis, Jerome Simmons, this last one. I knew I was forgetting somebody. Jerome from down the road in Bamberg. Um, went the junior college route out of high school, but eager and hungry to get back home. Big body came to our, I think, Clemson game over Thanksgiving weekend when he was home and had a chance to meet him then. Uh, great personality, uh, athletic, can run. And I think getting around, getting him in that room with Travian, you know, his best football is still in front of him also and, and helps us. You got to you got to be strong on the line of scrimmage in this league. You guys know that. And with the linemen that we signed on offense, the guys up front that we signed on defense, we've, we've taken another step to, to be able to, you know, control the line of scrimmage a little bit better than we have here. And that's what I'm, one of the many things that I am pumped about.